Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Axiom Podcast. I am your host, Devin Dash, and I'm here today with none other than Joey Brannon. Hey, Devin. Today, we are continuing our series uh, kind of wrapped around succession planning around that theme. And specifically, we're talking about answering the question of can mom and dad let go of the business? So typically in succession planning with, with mom and dad and maybe son or daughter or multiple children in the business, we run into scenarios where we start to see that even though there's talk of handing off the business, there's talk of mom and dad stepping out of the business. We run into scenarios where eh, even though there's talk and there's a plan to do that, it, it it's not always a clear cut path. And so we, we talked about four, we always talk about four scenarios. Like, like good consultants, we create buckets and slice the world into them, right? That's, it's like a two by two matrix. So, you know, we can always categorize somebody. So for our listeners, walk, walk them through the four scenarios that we often see in regard to this topic. Well, one of them is if you've ever seen the Charlton Heston, I can't remember the name of the movie or no, it's not, it's his speech at like the National Rifle Association or something. And he's like, they can have my rifle, you know, they can, when they can pry it from my cold dead hands, you know, and he gets this rousing ovation and that idea of when you can take it from my cold dead hands, it, it kind of symbolizes some business owners approach to when they're going to be ready to hand the business over to the kids. And it's usually because the parent really enjoys the responsibilities that come with owning the business. They really enjoy the perks, right? They've worked really long and hard for this. And now maybe some of the, that hard-earned or that, that blood, sweat, and, and tears is starting to pay off and they're starting to realize some of those benefits. And it, it, just not to sell them short, they, they could really enjoy the purpose in it. You know, the idea of like, what am I going to do when I retire? Like, I love this. I love coming to work every day. When, when am I going to hand the business over to my kids? I don't know. Like, I don't even want to think about that. Like, never. I want to hold it forever. And so that's, you know, like, kind of sounds kind of extreme, but the the other side of that too can be, burnout. Mm. Right. So it's, and the idea there is like, take it. I don't want it anymore. You know, I'm done with this. I put in my time. And if the, from my cold dead hands may be prevalent when things are great and they're finally enjoying the payoff for all those blood, sweat and tears, this burnout, take it. I don't want it anymore. It can be after a long period of from my cold dead hands, you know, and, yeah. and now things are getting difficult again, right? Or or maybe there never was a time when things were really great and it's always been a struggle and they're just tired of the struggle. Yeah. You know, and I see these those first two scenarios kind of uh, as two different sides of the same coin. And on the one side of the coin, right, it's the kind of the parent's assumption that at some point my child is going to come in and they're going to kick me out. Like they are going to rip it from my cold dead mm-hmm. hands. Right. Or on the latter side, it's, well, I'm, I'm just expecting or I, I'm going to have to buy de facto, give it to my child because I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. In both of those, there's an assumption that the child has the readiness to take over the business. And I think, you know, as we get into it a little bit later, that's kind of a reactive mindset. Right. There's a sense where we would really encourage in any sort of succession planning to do everything in our power possible. And we've, we talked about this in a previous episode, do everything in our power possible to prepare and kind of make that transition healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you said it well, it's very reactive and it's based on this subjective notion that I'll know when the kids are ready and therefore I will also be ready. Right. And it's interesting when you get to that burnout phase, 
one of the things that's typically happened is things have been in decline for a while. Now you may look at the numbers and go, no, 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 things have been great. But if we were to look at some cultural elements, morale, engagement, retention, attrition of senior leadership, we might find that that's been in decline for a while. And the and that's that can be the case. The culture may be, may be tanking if the second generation has been achieving performance in spite of the parent not giving them the mandate to leave. So the, the second generation is kind of taking it upon themselves and like, and that's, and they're seeing good numbers, but at the same time, you're seeing some of the old timers or not even old timers, but there's just kind of fraction in the leadership of the company because mom and dad are still trying to hang on and they're getting the performance besides it. it the performance can suffer if the parents never even never ceded any responsibility or authority over to the child. And they've just kind of been resting on their laurels and now we're coasting. And before you know it, coasting turns into a decline. So that idea of uh, burnout, you're usually going to, we're going to see that kind of lead. It's not typically going to be a surprise. You can kind of see that coming. There's another one where there, another bucket where there's no decision, (laughs) right? Right right up until the end, like literally mom and mom or dad or both pass, and now you've got a situation uh, oftentimes where there are siblings involved, sometimes when s- multiple children are involved in the business, a lot of times when one child is involved in the business and several aren't. And that's all. That's a subject for a whole other podcast on all the problems that that creates when there's no decision. Yeah. Well, and not, I don't want to spend too much time going into illustrations on all these, but you know, I, I remember one uh, experience we had with a client where there was the question of can't dad was literally trying to answer the question, can I let go of the business? And he was trying to answer the question based on his assumption of how engaged each individual sibling was in the business. And we actually interviewed those children and found that man, some were really engaged and really desired to be in the business, but the, they're not been talked about and mm-hmm. not had the decision had not even been considered. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and I guess there's probably an underlying, um, thread in these first three that we've talked about, which is all the assumptions that are being made. And the fourth bucket, which is obviously the one that we would prefer, is what we call kind of that strategic succession, um, where what we're talking about in terms of handing over responsibility and authority and even leadership is part of a strategic roadmap. And it includes the second generation. They've been involved in the leadership team and there's been a fair amount of leadership development for both the first generation and the second generation. You know, it it is, this is not a transition um, that most families manage internally with excellence, right? They're usually smart to go out and find people that can help guide them through because we'll talk about this probably later, but there's a huge shift in roles and responsibilities that have to happen when mom and dad are letting go of the business. They literally have to become, you know, fulfill different roles in the organization than they may have been doing for decades. And and that presents, I mean, you do a lot of great coaching and you can imagine the kind of personal identity crisis that some of these people go through mm-hmm. and having to understand, like, that's not my role anymore. I, I've got to stop doing that. Those are conversations I shouldn't be having. I should be sending people over here to have those conversations because I don't make those decisions or I should not be making those decisions anymore. Um, so, it, you know, it, I think that going into the strategic side of things, eyes wide open, it's part of a bigger plan, but it also requires you to go to work on yourself 
to a significant degree to make sure that you preserve the family relationship at the same time you give both the first generation and the second generation the tools they need to to help the organization thrive through the transition. No, that's that's really good. I, I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier, kind of in, in terms of re- related to kind of that burnout scenario where the parent has ready ready for the baton to be taken and, and I don't like want they're to chucking the baton from a hundred yards away. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and maybe that's a, a reflection of the, the performance is declining or you mentioned the cultural elements that may be declining before actual performance starts declining. And one of those cultural elements is the vision. We talk about vision a lot and there's different kind of states, if you will. I don't know if you want to call them, I think health, but there's different states of vision at handoff as, as well as the different kind of scenarios where, you know, mom and dad are letting the business, handing the business off. So what are the different states of vision that we run into? Yeah, I'd say it's most common. You know, I'd say in general, it's common that when a business were to bring us on, we find a lot of times there isn't a vision or it's a, there's something called a vision, but it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill the purpose that Axiom would like it to fulfill in terms of a vision, which is this over the horizon picture of where we're going together. And, and right. it should be something that the team, it's it's first and foremost in every team member's mind. And they know that as a group, we're going there. And you're going to have some people who are more vested in it, you know, you know, more achievement oriented, more engaged, more passionate about it that resonate more with the purpose behind the vision, which is another another topic. And you're going to have some that are, you know, unfortunately just get there for a paycheck, right? And in a large team, you're going to have that whole range of people. But in most of the time when we get engaged, there is no vision. It, it may have never existed. And in that case, the business may have been in just providing a lifestyle. And the ultimate goal was, yeah, you know, one, we need to pay our bills. The, the business owner needs to be able to pay their mortgage provide for retirement, eventually enjoy some nicer things. And we want everybody to get along. Don't get us wrong. We want everybody to enjoy working. And these are good hearted people and they, they want people to enjoy working there, but they maybe have failed to recognize the importance that everybody places on fulfilling work, you know, on work that is working towards something and the need that the communal need we have to strive towards something with a group of people together and be part of, you know, kind of a shared journey towards something and that towards something, the something is the vision. So if that hasn't existed, then, you know, it's typically just been a vehicle for to provide financially and a good place to work. If that's the case, you can generally, when this when this kind of transition happens of passing the baton, whether it's, you know, I mean, if, if it's done strategically, hopefully you can mitigate this. But if it's from my cold, dead hands or I'm burned out or mom and dad pass away and there hasn't been a vision, you can prepare yourself for an exodus of your A players who are seeing opportunities elsewhere and they're just kind of waiting for the right time to jump ship. You know, they wanted to be respectful of, of the founders who gave them their shot and provided all these opportunities. And now that that founder is rotating out, they don't feel the same obligation and there's, they start to put their need for a future ahead of just wanting the second generation to, you know, be, be glad I'm here. The other thing that can happen is that generation two is likely going to inherit that same lifestyle mentality toward the ownership of the business, as opposed to, 
I'm a steward of this business as the leader, and it's my job to steward the resources and to lead these people toward the vision that we have charted out together. So that that scenario where there's a handoff, but there's no vision, you can imagine can be pretty tumultuous. Those those years are not easy ones, and there's a lot of turnover. Yeah. Well, without vision, people perish. We talk yeah. about that a lot, the old <laughs> proverb says. Talk about the other scenario, right? Where, you know, there's, we've, and we've not run into this one exactly. We've run into the next one we're going to talk about probably more explicitly, but there's a scenario where the mission or the vision in this case is accomplished, right? And it's, we, mom and dad had a, had a grand vision, a picture of where they wanted the business to be. And they have, they have kind of achieved it. Mm-hmm. And may, maybe in the best case scenario, right? Son, daughter, or whoever was going to take over ownership of the organization after mom and dad stepped down was a part of that and got to see that and participate in that process. But not always talk a little bit more about what happens when the vision is accomplished. Yeah. When, when they're, when they've kind of checked that box, it's usually happened, you know, a couple of years, a few years beforehand. I also think there's a side of this where this can also the, the mission accomplished or the vision box checked, that scenario can also kind of be similar to the no vision scenario in that a lot of times this vision, this mission that was accomplished was one that was really lived inside the head of the owner. Mm -hmm. And it was around typically getting to a certain revenue size or certain number of stores that were out there, you know, and these are people who are goal driven, but they're goals that are written on a slip of paper and in their desk drawer, in their wallet. They are not vision that's cast like grand vision for everybody in the organization to rally behind and work toward toward achieving together. And so if that's the case and that's happened, mom and dad can be kind of on this victory lap mentality. And when that happens, there's a loss of the momentum that got them there. And you're probably going to have, you know, I'll say again, like, just because they didn't have a strategic plan and a vision in the strategic plan doesn't mean that they aren't generous, well-meaning people, right? right? They wanted a great, they recognize the people that got them to this point. And so a lot of times what you'll have in these situations too are very well compensated employees, folks who've been with them a long time, but they too have experienced this loss of momentum and it's kind of comfortable, right? They've settled into kind of a status quo mentality. And so when that second generation comes into a situation where previously it was mission accomplished, they can find themselves with a team that is kind of like, I don't want to say not interested in what comes next, but have gotten used to the lack of momentum. And you and I know lack of momentum really just means decline, the numbers may not be showing it yet, but our capacity to grow, the capacity of the leadership team to get that momentum back has declined and we're actually in a losing position. Yeah, that that old, I guess I don't want to say the old guard, but the old guard tends to fall into a sense of complacency and I, we helped to grow this business to where we're at today. I'm happy with my salary and why do I want to, why do I want to be held accountable to pursue something else when right now is great? Yeah. And the other thing that I think we see in that situation is a fear of loss mentality. You know, we've gotten here and, and we often run up against situations. You said the old guard or the fight for the status quo. And it's like, we can't do that. You know, that's going to jeopardize what we have now. And there's a blind spot where they don't necessarily see clearly the amount of ground that they're losing. And it's just a matter of time before 
it's really readily apparent. We're not treading water. We're drowning. It's just taking us a while. And that really ties to our next kind of state of the vision when in, in this transition is when there's a vision conflict. And I, I know that this was one we had experience with where the, the way that this particular industry was going was in decline. On the whole, technology and innovation was creating slim, more, slimmer and slimmer margins for this particular industry. And so there was a vision conflict where, you know, kind of keep continuing to do things that we, the way we've always, always done them, focus on relationships, which is all good things, but maybe a hesitancy to innovate and, and charge ahead with a new vision of innovation or centered on innovation created that vision conflict. Yeah. And sometimes the vision conflict can also be where the second generation has a vision where the first generation didn't. And this kind of manifests as a restlessness. That first generation can see it as a kind of a nagging tendency to point out all the things we're not doing that we should be doing. And in other cases, it can be where generation one is tied to an old vision, like you said, that's no longer relevant. They're like the the time for that vision passed. You know, the industry has moved on and a lot of technology has changed a lot of things in our particular industry, whatever that industry might be. It's like, hey, we get to be relevant. Generation two is saying we got to have a new vision. And similar to the other situation we talked about, this can result in factions. And you'll find that the leadership team is usually fractured with a couple people siding with Gen two and a couple people, you know, loyalists to Gen one. It's not a pretty situation. And unless it's reconciled, the toxicity of those factions can last for years because mom and dad may eventually give in, right? Be like, oh, you know, we're going to take our stock and and go home and, you know, just not come to the office and we're going to cash dividend checks or there's going to be some kind of compensation arrangement that provides for mom and dad's retirement. But the people who were loyal to mom and dad may not be able to retire, right? right? They've got to stick around. At the same time, they don't like the direction this is going. And mom and dad may still have, you know, kind of the trump card in terms of authority about who gets hired and who gets, or not who gets hired, but who gets fired. Yeah. And so Gen 2 may be, you know, saddled with somebody on their leadership team even that is totally not bought into what they're trying to accomplish on the vision because that person may even feel like they would be betraying the person who brought them in, the generation that brought them in, if they didn't stick. And, you know, the, the crazy part is after a little while, you go talk to mom and dad and they're like, yeah, I mean, we got over that a long time ago. They can do whatever they want. And you, you say to mom and dad, hey, you know, you need to go talk to Jerry because Jerry's been there for 20 years and Jerry is really gumming up the works because he thinks that you don't want this, right? And this just that layer of toxicity is something that, happens more prevalently when there's a vision conflict than any other scenario. So obviously not a desirable option when you have a, a conflict with the vision. Uh, two people, you know, two sets of factions in the organization don't know really which direction to go, don't know which lead to follow. So as with everything, what's the best, what's the ideal scenario, the shared vision? Yeah, we want we want them to have kind of be on the same page about what that over the horizon picture of where we're all going together is. It usually only happens, though, if that vision was established a long time ago, like mom and dad had cast like a 30-year vision, right? And the second generation has been working toward this for like 10 or 12 or 15 years of their professional career. 
And by that time, like they're all in and it's like, of course I'm and they're on the same page with respect to that. Or another situation can be where the second generation recognized the need for an over the horizon vision and they developed it collaboratively, maybe even just a couple of years ago with that's, and that's a situation that we run into quite frequently where we're brought in, they recognize we don't have a vision. I want the second generation to play a part. And you and I say, well, if we're going to build a vision, like let's just do it with them yep. because you're going to want them to carry it on. And that's, that's the ideal scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And that reminds me a lot of, you know, we, we have the vision templates that we get to work with business owners. We use to develop visions with business owners. And one of them is the transitional mm -hmm. blueprint or the transitional template to, really say, look, let's, let's not beat around the bush here. If, if we have any idea that within the next 10 years, you might like the business to be in a place where you can exit, right. let's just own that and let's be transparent about it with everybody. Yeah. And it's, it means it's great to be able to set, you know, like a long range vision collaboratively with the second generation. But there are times where the industry is transitioning very quickly. Maybe that second generation is fairly young and still trying to figure it, maybe the business itself is fairly young and yet undergoing a transition for some reason between first and second generation. And if that's the case, it's okay. Like you said, to pull that, you know, make a transitional template to say like, Hey, our vision is to have a second generation business, have a generational business. That's, that's pretty ambitious in a world where a high percentage of businesses fail to make it to a second or third or fourth generation. So absolutely. And you can imagine that if you're on a team and they say, you know, our vision is to successfully transition this into the second generation and accomplish X, Y, and Z, the person who's hearing that, who still has 20 years left in their career is like, thank God, like there's a plan and it's not going to be a total mess when the founders of this company step away. I know that they're doing this in a way where I can pour my heart and soul into this organization for the next 20 years and know we're going to keep moving forward. So all said, we're making this, the transition from the first and second generation. Let's assume everything's going perfectly. What's the final step? Which, which world is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a no world, but no, right. for the sake of discussion, right? Let's assume you know, we, we've identified whether or not they're going perfectly in, in the, mm. our listeners' business right now, right? We kind of identify where we need to tweak, where we need to change. Let's get to the final part, which is we have we have an, identified that either there's a vision conflict and we we need to move towards a shared vision or a vision. Who leads that? Yeah, and that's really the a more difficult question because it is a it's not a both and type of question. It's right. an either or question. So we can both collaboratively build the vision. We can both buy into the vision. We can both have roles, but only one of us can be the leader, right? And businesses, I think where there's not a vision, the people perish. And I would say where there's not a leader, the people get really, really frustrated. Yeah, sheep start falling off a cliff. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That's a good one. So we, I like this analogy. What was I ran track in high school? I was never fast enough to be one of the guys that did the relay races, but I'm they sorry. were. I know I was a slow <laughs> white kid, but I could run for a long time. So I did the distance stuff. But the last, the last event of every race was always the mile relay. 
And it was the most exciting part of it because you would have runners who are head to head for a whole lap. You know, you do a 400 relay, each person runs a hundred yards and it's over so quickly. But in a mile relay, you've got four runners, each one of them going around the track once, but at the end of each lap, they have to pass the baton, right? You have to finish the race with the baton or it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. And so if we, if we use that analogy of passing the baton from one leader to the other, let's talk about the baton for a second. What is the baton? The baton is the mandate to be the, the person who is driving toward the vision. That's the, like, it's yours. Like, it's your responsibility. This vision, I'm giving it to you. And you're the person who needs to be the champion of it. You're the person who needs to be the driver of it. Now, everybody in the organization is going to play a part, but they're going to look to you. And if you're not pushing, they may begin to believe it's not important, right? And they'll start to put their focus elsewhere, as they should, right? They want to work on the most important things. So you now, your job is to make sure that this, people know that this is very, very important. Well, when you're on a track and you're, you're doing that relay race, you have to hand this baton off at the end of every lap. Well, you don't, it's not like you get to hand it off wherever you want to, right? And you don't get to throw it, right? It has to go from my hand to yours and it has to happen within this defined space on the track. It can't happen before that and it can't happen after that, right? So there is this need for a transition, which you and I would say in in that analogy in real life is how we communicate this transition and when is it going to start and when is it going to stop? And when is, when are my roles and responsibilities going to begin to change and when are they going to be kind of set going forward? And when we, we have situations where there's a vision, right? And yeah, we've built it together and we all believe in it and we're all on board with it. And yet it's a, a total failure in execution. And that can happen possibly because mom or dad doesn't want to hand off the baton, right? right? They get to the end of their lap, right? And they pass that transition line and it's like, okay, it's time. And they're like, ah, I, I like it. I like it when I have this baton yeah. and when I have the responsibilities and the perks and the purpose, you know, what else would I do if I were to give this baton, then what do I do? Yeah. So, that can be a problem. It can also be a problem is that if the baton, if the baton doesn't represent the mandate to drive the vision and and that's not always the case. So like if we don't have the vision in place, if we haven't done all this great work to collaboratively build a vision or mom and dad haven't built a vision that's over the horizon that the, the second generation can buy into, what does the baton represent then? Usually it is those perks It is those responsibilities. It is that authority. And so if that's the case, when, when that stuff is what's represented by the baton, what then has kept the organization together? Mm. And it's typically been the charisma or the personality of that owner, Mm -hmm. right? And if that's the case, the organization is going to suffer because mom and dad know that when they hand it off, the organization is going to suffer, if it's all, if I've been the one holding it all together right? and now I'm not, it's going to, it's going to deteriorate. Well, now you're talking about my retirement. Now you're talking about my livelihood. Now you're talking about my lifestyle. So they could, you know, it, it could be the lack of a vision that causes them not to want to hand that off. Yeah. And that can be an issue too. What happens a lot of times is that mom and dad kind of fake the handoff, right? <laughs> they're like, they're like, here you go. Here's the baton. Right. And then at the last minute they're like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to give that up. And 
junior, you know, like takes off out of the transition area because mom has said, you know, no, I'll hold on to this. You go ahead and run your lap. Right. And junior takes off and starts running around the crack. And then junior realizes like, wait a minute, I can't, I'm disqualified. I can't even win this race now. And nobody's watching me go around. Who's, who do people watch in a relay race? Right. They watch the person with the baton. And so that, that can be, I'll say, I want to say toxic or deadly. I'm looking for a different adjective, but what can be deflating? I mean, deflating, just discouraging, absolutely, discouraging, right? absolutely discouraging, disheartening to that second generation to have the fake handoff of the baton. Yeah. And I think too, for all the various reasons that that might happen, you know, I don't want to assume that there's ill intent, like, you know, maybe there's insecurity or whatever that in, in, in mom or dad's mindset, right? You talked about those things. They, they don't want to lose the perks that, Whatever the various reasons that happens, it's it is extremely discouraging and deflating because they've they're looking back and they're wondering why nobody's following them, and it's hard to recover from that. And and we I, we've seen it in organizations where even before the baton handoff has happened, you see the second generation wrestling with those ideas of, man, am I it, like are people going to see me as they see mom or dad? Mm-hmm. Are they going to see me as the leader? And Maybe in the worst cases, people don't see them as the leader because, you know, maybe mom or dad have have not done a good job and they they call son or daughter, you know, out on mistakes that they've made. And so now everybody watches them is watching them saying, oh, there goes another mistake. There goes another mistake. They're they're not they're not mom or dad. Right. And so it's the fake handoff has, you know, there was a fake handoff. They're running around the track and maybe a, a history of mistakes and failures yeah. is kind of continued to pile on top of that. We have a habit here of carrying the analogy way too far. <laughs> so I'm going to continue in that tradition <laughs> and say like what you've just described is as if dad like faked the handoff, right? Son runs out of the gate or daughter runs out of the gate, realizes like halfway around the first turn, wait, I'm disqualified. Right. Yeah. And dad's like, that's okay. I still got the baton. I'm going to finish the race. Right. And he's out there running totally oblivious to the fact that everybody in the stands is like, wait a minute, he can't win the race. This isn't working. Something's wrong here. Right. Yeah. So, and that's the the kind of tragic part of it in the classical tragedy sense of something's happening. And, and it's such a blind spot that the protagonist doesn't even realize it. So, you know, what do you do? I, th- I think if you're, if you're struggling with this or you're seeing this happen or you're fearful of this happening, the best thing that you can do is begin to very clearly lay out what are the roles and responsibilities now leading up to that transition yep. part of the track? What are the roles and responses, responsibilities going to be like during the transition? And how long is that? Like that piece of the track in real life is only so many meters long mm-hmm. and it needs to have in, in your succession plan, it needs to have similarly hard edged ends. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, everybody kind of needs to know what they're up against, but two, people are, oftentimes people will never really step into the role that they need to step into until nobody's watching or, or until they just have to. Right. right. So it's like, kind of like I was talking with Cameron this morning and he, he, we were talking about his first 90 days. Right. And, and he was shadowing you and me during that time. Mm-hmm. And then he, and then he started to have his own client appointments and his, 
he stepped into a role different than anything he had prepared for when you and I were not in the room, mm-hmm. right? And it was, it was us not being in the room that made that possible. So it is that end date and the transition period that's going to make the second generation success possible because you're no longer going to be in the picture as the first generation. And then understanding what are the roles and responsibilities after that transition time. Mm-hmm. And then get some help, right? Like it is, it's hard for a business owner who's been sitting in that seat for 30 or 40 years. And I've walked alongside a couple of them now who've made this transition. And I know the crisis of identity that ensues very quickly, very, very quickly when people start not coming to them about conversations. And there's also some hard conversations that we have to have with them. Sometimes you've had these conversations too of, Hey, you can't have those conversations anymore. Yeah. You've got to stop that. That's not your role. You have to send them to your daughter. You have to send them to your son because that's not your role yeah. anymore. And that's something that it usually takes an outsider, right? That, I mean, you could fire us if you wanted to, but it <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't ruin our, our life, right? But right. it takes somebody who can kind of hold you to that line and say, this is not your role anymore. You really need to let them go. And when, when the second generation needs to be held accountable because they're not stepping into their role, a lot of times they'll hear somebody like you or I or Cameron differently than they might hear mom or dad, you know, trying to exhort or admonish them on that. So don't be afraid to, to get some help. I would highly, highly recommend it. Whether it's us or somebody else, it's not a transition you should take lightly. Yeah. So just to recap, I, I don't forget about those four scenarios, you know, take a, take a step back especially, I mean, it's a good time. This is going to be released sometime near the end of the year, mm-hmm. maybe beginning of the year. Take a step back, reflect. You know, if you find yourself with a second or, or third generation who, who is able or has the opportunity in the future to step into the business, evaluate if, if you, maybe you're in one of those scenarios and then evaluate the state of your vision. If you're a client, obviously, this is a checks and balance on our work that mm-hmm. we're doing. You, yeah. should, you should have a clear vision. Exactly. Uh, and if you don't about the, the future possibility of transition, uh, we'd love to talk to you more about that. And then finally, just recognize that that baton, you're holding it. Mm-hmm. And you can't always hold it because at, at some point, the race is going to end or and somebody else is going to win yeah. or you're going to win. Well, that's a great, great point. Dan. And I would encourage the business owners that just because you hand the baton off, doesn't mean that you don't have a meaningful role to play, right? Your role changes, but you're still part of the team. And that team, you know, the the first runner and the last runner are all standing on the same step of the podium. So embrace handing the baton off and not having people watch you run around the track, having watching that second generation. I think you'll provide, it'll provide as much fulfillment, if not a lot more than what you've experienced to date. Yeah. Can I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, Throw a little bit of a curveball here. I want to finish today's show with a different segment. It's a new segment that I've just created. Oh, geez. It's called What's in Your Ears? <laughs> Joey, this is a segment where There's I. There's a have, trend happening here because somebody f- sprung a surprise segment on me, one of your colleagues, a surprise segment mm. just prior to this. Totally coincidental. What's in Your Ears is a segment where we ask Joey Brennan what he's listening to right now. Joey, so what is the top soundtrack playing in your stereo right now? Um, I, I, I kind of have to take this in small doses. I find that he's a fantastic interviewer and he's incredibly smart, but you know, I can only take so much of him and that's Tim Ferriss. So I read Tim Ferriss's, 
you know, he, he kind of rode that four hour work week book for all it was worth and wrung all the good out of it and has become quite the, the personality in podcasting and interviewing. He's a very good interviewer. So I'm, I'm kind of on a, maybe a three or four show binge on Tim Ferriss. And then I'll, I'll have to move over to something else. White Horse Inn was just previous to that on your recommendation. Uh, it's a great podcast on theology yep. and they're talking about the doctrine of vocation mm-hmm. and I uh, got a lot out of that. That was exciting. So thank you for that recommendation. Oh yeah. Pleasure. Thank you for sharing and listeners. Yeah. Go check those out. All right. Thanks guys. <laughs>